Well, there's this verse that I was thinking of this week, and Ashley uh, hit on it already this morning. And, um, you know, when you go, I'm going to use a couple different illustrations. You know when you go swimming, you're two different people. You either just, like, dip your toe in it, and then you just kind of stand there for, like, five minutes, and then you wait, and you get in again, and then you start working. Or either that, or you just... I'm going to get wet anyways. It's cold anyways. I'm going to dive on in. Waiters? Any tippy-toe? Okay. How about just, you know what, I'm just going to get it over with. I'm going to dive right on in. Okay. Gabriel, are you a diver? Okay. So we're going to dive in today. Okay. We're just, we're not going to wait, not going to tippy-toe in. We're just going to dive right on in. And Jesus through the Apostle Peter said, cast all your cares upon me because he cares for you. Peter's saying, cast all your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. And so it got me thinking of fishing, cast, cast. And I, I have some fishing buddies that I fish with, and it's just funny, we all laugh because once in a while you just mess up when you cast and it just like goes plunk right in, the front, right in front of you. Nobody in this room, I'm not looking at anybody. Maybe a few times for Krista, but uh, other than that. Um, and I've done it too. I've done it too. You just, you know, you just cast. But you know what? Here's the deal. It doesn't matter how well you cast. It's just cast. And so Ashley already hit it on this morning when she was saying, hey, make a list today. Hey, make a list of the things that are going on in your life that we just need to give those things up to Jesus and so he can do more in us. So he can do more in us. And so the amplified version of that verse in 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns, cast those onto Jesus because he cares for you with deepest affection and he watches over you very carefully. That's a good word that he watches over you very carefully. And he cares for us with his deep affection. So that's why he invites us to come to him and say, yes, come, come to me and cast, whether you just plunk it right down here or you can like toss it with the procaster or the fancy reels, you know. And so can I give you an opportunity and give us an opportunity and those of you watching at home an opportunity to cast again this morning? to just cast one more time. I mean, I know there's people at home watching. I know there's some of us in, this, in the house that, that have some struggles going on. And before we really just jump in to see what Jesus has to say in John 14, let's, can we cast one more time? So let's do that. I'm gonna give you a couple seconds just to throw that line right out to Jesus today. So Lord, we do, we cast our cares upon you. Our anxieties, our worries, our concerns. And the amazing thing about you, Jesus, is that you welcome those with open arms. Hmm. And so, Lord, with our hands empty, would you fill us today? Would you change our perspective, change the way we think? Would you fill us up with more of you today? In Jesus' name. The church said? Amen. Amen. Well, yesterday we had a prayer walk, and we... A few of us gathered, and we walked the neighborhood across the street, and um, 
We say, well, we know a few people that live over. Let's just cross the street and walk, walk through. And, the, and I just want to share a couple things that the Lord put on my heart to pray for. And, and he said, I want you to pray for spiritual awakening. Spiritual awakening. And here's the thing about that, because a lot of times we think, well, God, if you'll just wake up the neighborhoods around our church. But that's not really what I was praying for. I was praying for us, for you, that we would wake up that we would wake up. Because if we start living for Jesus and loving him like he's asked us to, there will be spiritual awakening in you, in me, in us, and in our community. It will just happen. But it has to start with us. The other thing he was putting on my heart is to just to release the prophetic over our community. So as we were walking, I just told the people that were walking, I want you to just be open. Maybe, you know, you, we've... That makes you a little nervous. What does that mean, release the prophetic? Well, that just means as you're walking down the neighborhood and you see an energy drink, empty can laying on the ground, and right next to it, a whiskey bottle that's empty in a nice neighborhood. It wasn't your yard. Okay, okay, just want to make sure. Okay. And so what the Lord gave to me is like, you need to pray against addiction in this community. That's a prophetic word. And so... We prayed against addiction. We prayed that God's mercy would go over that community. We prayed that his love would flow through that community. It was an incredible, incredible time. Um, one of the people that were here shared, God just said there's a lot of hurting people right now. And so I was just praying for those who have been hurt. And so that was, that was really good. And then um, one of our people that were walking had walked through the kids' playground area. And the Lord said, pray for the kids so they can be kids again. And they can just go out and play. And they don't have all, these, all this stuff. We have the opportunity to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. And no matter where we're at today, whether it's good or bad, whether it's high or low, whether we're sad or happy, whether it's easy or tough, or we're on mountaintops or we're in the valley, and God is with us. I want you to hear that. Because I can speak from experience right now. God is with us. He sees us. He knows us. And he is for us. And so let me encourage you here by just going a little bit deeper. And let me make it personal for you. That God is with you. That he sees you. He knows you. And that he is for you. You ever think about that? Because I think sometimes we get a little twisted in our theology and in our minds that we sometimes think like God has something against us. And so we have to like just, we have to be the good kid. It's out of our relationship with him is why we want to be the good kid. Because we can't earn any more of his favor than we already have. He is for us. It's, it's amazing to get our minds around it, that he is for us. We're going to be in John 14 today. Church, we're making it through, and we're still in 2021. Okay? There were some crazy predictions about how long it was going to take me to get through. We're in John 14. And we see here that Jesus is comforting his disciples about the uncertain times that they are living in and the uncertain times that will be coming. 
that they will be living in really hasn't changed much, right? Because the times that we're living in seem to, to be uncertain as well. A little different, I think maybe think are speeding up a little bit. It's like that top where you spin it and it's just like it's just spinning faster and faster. And obviously we hear about information way faster than they did. Like right now I can look this up and I can find out what's going on on the other side of the world. Right now. So we might be able to get our information faster, whether it's accurate or not, we're not really sure, but we can, we can get it, right? But really, if you look at it, times haven't changed that much. There's still war. There's still famine. There's still drought, pestilence. It's all happening. People are still doing what is right in their own eyes, if not even more. And so Jesus comes and talks to his disciples I like to call this the start of Jesus' manifesto because it's the biggest passage, John 14, 15, 16, and 17. It's four chapters of Jesus' final words before he goes to the cross to his disciples. They've spent three years with him, and, and they've gleaned a lot. They've, they've done a lot. They've been, been doing all these things and serving, and they're... And they see the things going on behind the scenes that we could, don't even see and don't even know. We know it's amazing and good because John says later that we can't even write it all down. There's not enough books in the world to write down all the amazing things that Jesus did, all the amazing things that Jesus said. And so what's unique about this book is we're going to look for the next few weeks, few weeks, at four chapters, I mean, Jesus' final words. Now, if somebody comes to you and says, these are my final words, you're probably going to pay attention. We should pay attention. So we really need to pay attention as we dive into Jesus' manifesto here. It's an incredible start. And, you know, he still wants us to know that it's okay in uncertain times. It's going to be okay in uncertain times. Some of the topics that we're going to discover as we get into this uh, manifesto is today, comfort in uncertain times, the promise of the Holy Spirit, being plugged into God. Jesus is going to talk about persecution. We don't really talk about that much in America. Jesus talked about it. It's real. We're going to talk about victory in the midst of persecution because there is victory. And then he wraps up chapter 17 with the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. The whole chapter is Jesus praying. Jesus prays for himself. This is how Jesus prayed. A lot of times when we think about how Jesus prayed, what do we think of? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Great outline for a prayer, yes. But when Jesus prays in John 17, right before he goes out to be arrested, what does Jesus do? He actually prays for himself. Church, did you know that's okay? Did you know that you can pray for yourself? It's not a selfish thing to do to pray for yourself. Now, if you only pray for yourself, then it is a selfish thing to do. But you can, you can ask God, God, I need help here. That's been my prayer lately. I mean, out loud sometimes. 
God, I need your help here. But then Jesus prays, and he turns, and he prays for the 12. Well, now the 11. Because Judas has left the building. Not just Elvis, but Judas. Judas has left the building, and he prays for the 11. Because Jesus knows what they're going to face. Now, Jesus is going to die on the cross, and they're going to think, I mean, all of them are going to think, it's over. I mean, not one of them believed, like, oh, he's coming back. They all kind of started going back into their own lives. That's why they were fishing again later on. They thought it was over. They thought, wow, what a ride. Three years, what a ride. But can you imagine the devastation and the crushing when what you thought you had put all your hope in and you had given up everything, these 11 guys had given up everything. Their businesses, what they thought were their futures, and then for that to be crushed when Jesus died on the cross. And then on a, on a Sunday morning, when a, the ladies come and say, he's not in there anymore. Church, that should put a smile on your face because Jesus rose from the dead. And yeah, did he share? Yeah, we'll get into that. But these guys were going to be crushed. Jesus knew what they were facing. He also knew that, you know, did you guys realize that every single one of the disciples died because of their faith? Some of us wonder, like, man, I wonder if Christianity is real. I wonder... People have said, I wonder if Jesus was really who he said he was or if he was just like pulling a fast one on us. And he was like making something up. And so he didn't rise from the dead. His disciples just got together and said, we're going to make this story up, but we're going to stick to it. Would you be willing to die for that story? I don't think so. Every single one of them. Now, John was boiled in oil and then put in prison. Only one that didn't die for his faith, but being boiled in oil, yeah. We don't really know the, the process. Some say it was miraculous that they dropped him in it and it came out and they had no burns on him. But some say, yeah, he did suffer and they put him in prison and Jesus showed up to him in that prison place and gave him the book of Revelation. But every single one of them and it's, it's not a good death the way these guys died. So Jesus prays for them. God encouraged them, strengthened them. And you know what? They were so fired up after Jesus ascended into heaven and they went back into Jerusalem. And what happened in Jerusalem? They were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they never looked back. Never looked back. They stared death right in the face. And, and Jesus' prayer was answered, that they changed the world. And then in John 17, Jesus turns, after praying for himself, which is okay, we determined, right? And then Jesus prays for those in the room. Then Jesus turned and prayed for you. For all those who would follow him. Those who have faith, that, like those in the room actually saw Jesus. Like, I believe Cody's here today. Because he's right there. Well, he has a mask on, so it might not be him, but somebody who looks like him, right? But we cannot see Jesus. We cannot see God. 
But there's a faith that that's where we step out and we believe. And so Jesus prays for us. It's incredible. And so as we read these words in John 14, starting in verse 1, what I pray is that our perspective on what is happening in our world would change. That we can be comforted today, right now, and this week, and as we go through what is going to come our way, we can be comforted in the uncertain times. The uncertainty of our tomorrows, we can have comfort knowing that God is already there. I have this little thing on my desk. Someone gave this to me like, like 20 or 30 years ago. I mean, some of you guys weren't even close to being born yet. Alfredo, not even close, right? Alfredo, this thing's older than you. Let me just have a sad moment here for a second. But this is what it says, and this is why I keep it on my desk, right there under my computer screen so I can see it and I can read it. Do not be afraid about tomorrow. God is already there. We don't have to worry. We don't have to have anxiety. We don't have to be wrapped up into, oh, man, I don't know what tomorrow. That used to be me. I was so focused about my tomorrow. You can ask my mom. At night before I'd go to bed, I'd ask her, hey, what's for dinner tomorrow? Because I, I was worried about it. I was like, I don't know if we're going to get to eat. I didn't, it's not that I didn't have faith in you guys. I have faith. I might not like what you're serving, but liver and onions and only a couple times. That's when you would just stick it to the table up underneath and then go back and get it later, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. But I used to worry about my tomorrows all the time. And in my weak points, in, my, in those places where it feels uncertain, sometimes it's easy for me. I'm just being vulnerable to you guys today. Sometimes it's really easy for me to get worried about, man, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, the, the go, you know, set a goal. What's going to happen in five years? That used to, like, scare me. Where will you be in 10 years? I have no idea. And so I would not, like, take that as a positive. I would take that as a worry, as a negative. And I'd get anxious. But Jesus says, I can come and give him my anxiety. I can cast all my cares upon him because he really does deeply care for us and care for me. So John 14, verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you or would I have told you that I'm going to there to prepare a place for you? And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. You also will be there where I am. You know the place where I'm going. I have to stop here for a second and tell you, one time we were doing a, we were doing a 30-hour famine. We were a youth group. We were down in Seattle. We were ministering to the homeless. We'd made, while we were fasting, we made food. It's a great youth pastor tool to like, hey, you're starving right now, but you're going to 
prepare a meal for people who are actually really hungry. You know when your next meal is going to be. They don't. So we prepared this meal. And we did this to the circle. We're in Pioneer Square, downtown Seattle. And we, we spent time in worship. And we handed out food. And then we got on the bus. And one of the homeless guys followed us right onto the bus. And he starts quoting this passage. And he, what he was saying, he's like, we don't know if Jesus is coming back. Because Jesus said in John that if I come back, and we're all just like, wow, did Jesus really say that? And so what he was doing is he was like casting doubt to us. So we didn't have a Bible with us. We got back to the church and said, we got to look that verse up. And this is those verses right here. Verse 2 says, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so... What I have told you, that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, you could actually say, and because I'm going to prepare a place for you, I will come back. There is no if here, church. Jesus said, because I'm going to prepare a place for you, I will come back and get you. That is powerful. Now, we're not going to get into the second coming today. That's a whole nother. That's 2025. I'm not predicting Jesus is coming back 2025. Okay. So don't hear me say that. Yeah. Who says sooner? Yeah. Right now, I'd be good. I'm all good for that. I used to say, can I wait? Can I have lunch first? You know, can I, you know, get... Back in the day, dating myself, can I get my driver's license first? I used to think that because we used to, eschatology was huge in this, you know, in the early 80s. You know, the study of end times. And I just was like, Jesus, I want to drive first. (laughs) It's pretty petty. But when you're 16 years old and you're, just let me get Let me get my truck first. (laughs) But Jesus is coming back. These are promises from him. And then verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. I mean, Thomas just wanted, well, just give me one answer. Jesus gave him three answers. You want to know where I'm going? Well, follow me. I'm the way. I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing this work. Believe me when I say that I I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. At least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. And very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, 
will do the works I have done, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And you may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. You can ask me for anything, and I will do it. Man, have we twisted that verse or what? I know there's some churches that if you're on staff, you can't drive a car more than three years old. Real deal. Because you're not believing, you're not asking, you're not walking in faith. So you got to go in debt. Now we've twisted that verse because Jesus also says when he prays, God, not my will, right? Not my will, but your will be done. So when we pray according to his will, yeah, he's going to do it. But there's several places where, where Jesus says it's okay to ask. Because there's sometimes where we don't really know what our will and what God's will is, right? If, well, I'm just maybe speaking to myself. There's times where, you know, the Bible says that he gives us the desires of our heart, and he tells us to be like that persistent widow who's just like knocking on the door and won't give up. And the person inside was like, leave me alone. And he's like referring to his father in heaven. And Jesus says, don't give up. Keep asking. So there's times when I pray for something, and I'm not sure if it's my will or his will. And so I just, I'm a simple man. And so I just say, God, open the door for me or make sure, make it really obvious that I cannot go just make it obvious. Just make it obvious, Jesus. And you know what? He does it every time. Because what I'm praying is, God, your will be done. I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do what you want me to do. And I want to join you, in God, in what you are doing. Verse 1 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. There's a, an amazing three-letter word there that Jesus uses, and it's the word let. It's like Jesus is giving us authority over how we think. So you could say, do not allow your hearts to be troubled. Do not give permission to your heart to be troubled in the uncertain times that you're in right now. Don't give permission and so how do we do that? Jesus' answer is right after that. Believe. Don't allow ourselves to go there. Simply believe. So God, I'm in uncertain times right now. I don't know what's going on with my job, with my kids, with my house, with my car, whatever. We just have to simply believe that, that God knows us, that he sees us, that he's for us, and then walk in that. So don't let, don't allow, don't give permission to our hearts. He is in control and nothing escapes his sight, church. Sometimes I think we get lost in that, like, God, do you see me here? Yes, he sees us. Because like I started off, he's, 
He deeply cares for you, and he deeply cares for me. Jesus touches here just real quickly, and he doesn't talk about it much, but he says, in my Father's house there are many rooms. And he gives us a little glimpse of heaven. Like, you know what? This is the place where I'm going to prepare for you. It's massive. It's huge. And there is plenty of room. That's what he's saying here. You wonder, yeah, there's plenty of room. Plenty of room. And so that got me going, and I was talking to my buddy, John, on the phone this week, and he was saying, you know, the Lord has just been giving me this word lately, and it's just one word. And he's like wrinkling his nose at me like, man, which one was it? Because the Lord speaks to John. I want you guys to know that. And the word was heaven. And he, he said, Kevin, you should talk about heaven a little bit. I'm like, I'd love to talk about heaven. And you know what, John? This week, when Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, there's plenty of room for you. It got me thinking, like, okay, then let's talk about heaven a little bit. I know some people that have recently gone there. My mother-in-law this last year, Bill Fisher this last year, and then just recently, you guys know my wife is in heaven. So what is heaven like? Cotton candy, ice cream, cupcakes? Well, the Bible doesn't say that. It says feast tables, so I guess whatever you like to eat, liver and onions. <laughs> I think that's in the other place, actually. So I know some of you guys like liver and onions, and that's fine. I'll pray for you. <laughs> but what is heaven like? I told some of my friends this week, I want to talk about heaven this, on Sunday. I said, can you do that? And I was like, I think I can. So I'm a little glossy-eyed right now. So we know that there's lots of room. We know that Jesus went ahead of us to prepare it for us. Hmm. In Revelation chapter 4, it's this incredible picture of the worship of Jesus Christ. That no one was worthy. And heaven waited with anticipation for Jesus to take his throne. And all of heaven falls in worship of Jesus. Maybe some of you aren't singers here. And you're like, well, worship. Because, you know, in the church, worship is when we, we re usually refer to the singing part. It has to involve a guitar or a bass or drums or whatever. Worship really is whatever we do for him. Worship flows from our hearts to him. Yeah, and there is like music going on here in this, in Revelation. It'd be way better than just me playing my guitar. So if you're not like into songs like right now, it'd be way better in heaven. I'm pointing at my buddy back there. Okay. In Revelation 21, Jesus says that, that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Anybody experiencing pain today? I mean, like heart pain, heartache, like physical pain. I worked in my yard for most of the day yesterday. Physical pain. Crying over loss, 
not in heaven. Every tear will be wiped away. Isn't that good news? That is good news. The architecture of heaven is going to be incredible. I mean, I love walking. We were able to go to New York City a few years ago and just walking through the streets and seeing those buildings. There's other cities in our country that have incredible buildings. Been to Mexico, down to San Luis Potosi, and the, the middle of the courtyards are just these beautifully built Spanish buildings from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago that are just gorgeous. The architecture in those places are amazing, but it has nothing on heaven. The gates are made out of like pearls, like solid pearl, like one big pearl. I guess get, heaven's in a gated community, so. <laughs> All right, that's not my own joke. That's Jim Gaffigan, so you, I give him credit for that. That the streets are described to be made of what? Gold. And so pure gold, it's like translucent gold. Whew. That in heaven there will be no night. There will be no night. There will be no sun. There will be no moon. You know why? Well, what, how, so if there's no night, where, where's the light come from? It comes from the glory of God. His glory will light up the place. Whew. Philippians 3.21, you don't have to turn there, but it just says that we're going to have glorious bodies in heaven. Again, that just means that the brokenness that's here, my buddy is at home right now, give you a punch, because that's our little thing. Just had knee replacement this week. No knee replacements in heaven, because you have a glorious body. Your hips won't hurt. You young ones are like, what is he talking about? I remember when I was young, and I, 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 was, I was, oh, that's sad to say. I was going to say, I was an athlete. I still try to be an athlete today. Um, and, the, you know, the coach would say, hey, stretch before you get out there. You know, you kind of stretch and do the thing. And I never felt anything. I was like, what am I doing? You know, stretch, and you kind of do that, and you don't feel anything. But now when I stretch, it's like, oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's what he was talking about. He was just about 50 years late, right? Yeah. So we'll have glorious bodies. Again, no pain, no suffering, no no gallbladder issues. <laughs> okay. That's my personal, late, my personal thing lately, you know. And the Bible describes and tells us that heaven is so wonderful, you, we can't even imagine it. It is such an incredible, incredible place that we cannot get our human minds around it. That is where we are going. That is where Jesus left to prepare a place for us. It should bring us hope because this side of heaven can be really tough at times. Not always. Praise God. Not always. I don't want to be Debbie Downer or Danny Downer today. Because there is joy in the midst of the hardest things that you will ever go through. In the deepest valleys, sometimes the scenery is, you can't see it anywhere else. It's gorgeous. Is the river on the mountaintop? No. The river is in the what? Where? It's in the valley. And what does Jesus do? He allows me to sit by that river. 
and rest in his presence and pour joy into us. In the midst of mourning, we can have joy. It's really important that we know that. In the midst of what we're going through personally, Jesus comforts us. Really key for us. Heaven's going to be an amazing place. I saw a sign on a church just recently, and the billboard said, free trip to heaven, details inside. <laughs> and then um, I'm a t-shirt guy, and uh, a t-shirt I saw just recently said, heaven is my home, I'm just here recruiting. Right? Because we know what heaven is like, we should want as many people there as possible because Jesus is there. And so that should like burn in us in everything we do. What did Jesus tell us to do? Go and make disciples. Go and tell people about me. Live for me, and they will live for me as well. Now, we should not be so wrapped up into our differences and the things that we see everywhere. And what we should be wrapped up into is like, man, heaven is going to be such an incredible place. And the fact that Jesus has poured out his Holy Spirit on planet Earth now, and we have the Spirit of God to lead us and to guide us, to correct us, to comfort us, we should want everybody on planet Earth to experience that and have a relationship with the Almighty God through Jesus Christ. That should burn in us, whether we work at Boeing or Microsoft or McDonald's. Those are great places to help provide, to pay for things. But that's not our focus. Our focus should be on Jesus and what he's asked us to do. And he's asked us to bring as many people to heaven as possible. So how do we do that, church? How do we do that? Well, we point people to Jesus because Jesus said, I am the way. If we want people to go to heaven, we have to point them in the right direction. And the right direction is Jesus. It's not a popular message today because people want options. Give me options. You know? I can't do it today, so give me another option, right? Can I go to heaven if I just do this over here instead of following Jesus? What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the way. And if you want to know truth, it's me. If you want to have life, life here on planet Earth through the power of the Holy Spirit, and then life forever in eternity, it's me. It's all through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. And sometimes we can take a negative spin on that, like, wow, Jesus, you're being harsh. But I think Jesus is just being really clear with us. I think he's just being really clear with us. And when he talks about heaven, it's like, yes, I want that. So Jesus, how do I get there? Jesus just simply says, follow. Follow me, I'm the way. Follow me, I'm the way. I'm the, tr I'm the truth, so you need to listen to me. <laughs> Are we listening? Church, for those of you that say, okay, I'm following Jesus. 
Are we taking time right now to listen to him? I mean, I'll have to be honest. I was a little discouraged on our prayer walk at first. There was just a few of us. But the Bible says that, hey, when two or three gather, I'm going to be there. It was a great promise. And it was an incredible, incredible time to just be able to walk and just hear from the Lord and get a little cardio in at the same time. It's awesome. And then to sit on the front porch out here and just say, so what is God saying? And to hear the different words. I mean, all three totally different, but they all fit per- perfectly. That Jesus loves our community around us. And he really does care for them just as much as he cares for us. So we need to intercede for them. We need to be here for them. And then Philip responds after all of this and says, Jesus, can you introduce us to your dad? You know, and I'm not saying that like irreverently to call the God Almighty dad, but Jesus called him dad. Jesus called him Abba, father, and that means dad. And I want to read you Jesus' response in the Message Bible this morning. Philip comes to him and says, Jesus, would you introduce us to your dad? And this is what Jesus says. Hey, you guys, you've been with me for all this time. And Philip, you still don't quite understand? To see me is to see the Father. So how can you ask, where is the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you aren't just mere words. I don't just make them up on my own. The Father who resides in me crafts each word in a divine act. And not long ago, Jesus had told them, I and the Father, in John 10, I and the Father are one. And what Jesus is saying there is like, you want to see the Father? Look at me. Look at me. I mean, that's why in John 10, they wanted to kill him. They picked up stones to kill Jesus because he said, I and the Father are one. You want to know God, the Father? Look at me. And they said, whoa, you're claiming to be God now. And that doesn't work for us. And so they picked up stones to kill him, and then Jesus did what Jesus did at that moment. Jesus is saying, you want to see the Father? We're the same. (laughs) We're the same. Now, if we do what Jesus says here, when he says, do not let your hearts be troubled, but believe, what does that look like? What does that look like? Verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. You guys realize that in Jesus' humanity, because he was fully God, fully man, it's hard to get our heads around that, that he had limited himself on planet earth. And so he said, I must go because I'm only one person. 
So I have to go, and so I can send you the greatest gift you'll ever receive, and that is the Spirit of God. And now it's just not bound to God's presence in one person walking around in a 50-mile radius, right? Now you can be anywhere in the world and have the presence and the power of God in you. And Jesus said, what? You will do greater things than me. Because I haven't fed 10,000 people lately. I haven't raised anybody from the dead. Jesus says, because of the power of my Holy Spirit, you will do greater things. It's incredible, church. And then, like I already touched on, that Jesus said, you know, when we come to him and we ask in his name that he'll answer us, that he'll hear us. So just like the followers here in John 14, Jesus is preparing and empowering us to live for him in these uncertain times. And my encouragement to us as, as a church and as followers of Jesus is that we need to listen and we need to be ready. I will say it will take sacrifice. It will take sacrifice. To say, God, your will be done over my own personal will, that will take sacrifice. Because what does that mean? You're going to have to die to your will. And you're going to have to open up yourself to his will. And that's a little scary, right? It's only scary if you don't believe that God is good. But if you believe that God is good and that he does see you, that he does know you, and that he's for you, then, man, my thing is, you can have it then. I want your will, God. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And out of this passage this morning, what I want to do is I just want to read, to close this morning, I want to read the promises. There are several promises in this passage. I want to read those over you today. You can stand, or if you can't stand, that's totally fine. Either way. I'm going to get a little Pentecostal on you this morning. Okay? So I'm going to ask you to do something. Whether it's one hand or two hands, can you just reach out and receive from him today? These promises are for you. These promises are for me. And I'm just going to simply read them. There are promises and a few commands thrown in here. You know, Jesus said to us to love one another as I have loved you. So receive his love this morning for you. For some of you, that's huge. For some of you, maybe it's been a long time since you've heard somebody tell you, I love you. Well, I just want you to know this morning, church, that Jesus loves you. And he tells us to go love like, like he loves us. He tells us don't let our hearts be troubled, but believe. He tells us, in my Father's house, I have a place for you. He tells us that he will come back. He lays it out really clear for us. For those of you that are like, I really want 
to follow the one true living God. God, would you show me? Would you reveal yourself to me? A lot of people are praying that prayer right now. And if that's you, Jesus says to you, I am the way. And Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do what what I have been doing and even greater things. So don't doubt your abilities. Don't rely on your abilities. Rely on him and believe in him that he will do incredible things in you, yes, but incredible things through you. Man, you're in the grocery store line and you feel God say, you need to pray for that person behind you. And and the rest of us are like, nope. There's a reason why God is doing that. And you'll be shocked and amazed that when you actually obey and that person like breaks down and weeps or is ecstatic with joy, like I was waiting for somebody to do that. We will do greater things for him. And with our hands out, he says that he hears us when we pray and he is ready to answer us. And so, Lord, this morning, God, we thank you that you hear us. We thank you that you answer us. God, I thank you that you see us. I thank you that we're known by you. And I thank you, God, that you are for us. And I pray, God, against doubt this morning in Jesus' name that we would believe that we would believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. That we would believe that you have created an amazing place for us, that you're prepping it for us even now, for us to come and be for eternity with you. A place that is, we can't even describe. But until that time, Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, God, and I pray that we would spend time with you. That our hands out right now wouldn't just be a few minutes once a week, but it would be daily that your will would be done in our lives, that your will would be done in our families. God, that your will would be done in our neighborhoods and our communities, our towns and our cities, that your will would be done in our country, God. But it has to start with every single one of us as individuals. So we give you permission to start. Would you start with me? And that's what we say. Would you start with me, God? We thank you that you have an amazing future for us. Yes, it will be difficult at times, but we will not allow our hearts to be troubled. But we will believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Blessings to you, church. Just know that you're loved. Know that you're cared for. Know that God has you. Amen? Amen. Amen.